0: This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie, and I'm CA, and we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming.
1: I can't remember if it even had a specific name, but I always think about it of like the valley of forgotten memories, and it's kind of like wouldn't that be like neat to take a tour through your own valley and be like, what's down here? <laughs>
0: there's there's a lot. There's got to be a lot. A., my entire brain <laughs> is, the valley. is like, that is, the <laughs> it is like that oh. department is the logging of memories. And there is like basically anything that happened in the last week is just the accessible stuff. Like CA and I make a joke, guys. You do need to hear this before we start. We make a joke that when we (laughs) listen back to the episodes, which I try to go back and listen to every single one. Okay. But when I go back and listen to one that has been basically recorded four weeks ago, I'm not joking you. I listen to it like it's the first time I've ever heard it. So many times.
1: I'll say, I'll hear myself say something and I'll be like, whoa, that was good that was impactful. That was I'm way, like, way to, way to do that one, <laughs> CA. Cause I didn't remember saying it.
0: But this is why it's so like, this is what it looks like when so like two of like the hosts have ADHD because it's like re-examining like things that you just didn't keep as relevant enough. So then you're like, oh, that's good information. And it's like, you're constantly surprised at yourself. You're like, yay. Exactly. I have good thoughts sometimes. So um, what are we talking about? So
1: today's topic is all about the deficit mindset versus the abundance mindset, which might sound a little, I don't know, like esoteric. And you do actually hear it a lot in like spiritual contexts and communities. But I actually think that Mm. it applies almost universally to almost any part of ourselves, you know, we're holistic beings, right? So we have our minds and our psychology, we have our emotions. Yes, we do have, you know, a spiritual component, we have our physical bodies. And I think no matter what aspect of ourselves we are, uh, you know, working with foundationally, you're going to be approaching certain plans moving forward in your life, from a place of either deficit or abundance. And really, it's only if you are coming from a place of abundance, that you can freely and authentically move in a forward moving trajectory.
0: And I think the deficit mindset gets you stuck. Yes. Deficit can absolutely get us stuck, which parallels to our previous, uh, probably what, couple episodes back where we were doing the stages of healing and we were talking about where people can get stuck. And this is why I'm glad we we have one of our follow-ups as this concept, which is when we don't take a wide lens with our healing process and examine the influences over the processes so for example like if i say okay knowledge like that's this first stage of healing and like awareness and all of these things and you're sitting there and you're like going at all of those steps with like a deficit mindset doesn't mean you're not healing but that absolutely is an opportunity to continue to get stuck because you can have a deficit mindset and be taught about emotional navigation or skills. You can be aware and have a deficit mindset. Slowly, it's going to become more and more clear that deficit mindset becoming its own barrier when you're approaching application, when we're approaching like your own belief in yourself, all of that stuff. Okay. Right at the end. Um, So when people say, well, I I want to believe in myself or I want to be convicted in my truth. I want to learn and move forward. I want to get that momentum. And people are like, I just don't have it. I just, I keep getting stuck. I, I, it's actually more painful because I have more awareness. I say that actually is kind of, you know, throwing it back to the first episode when we talk about how do we conceptualize trauma healing? And one of the first steps is that we point out is consent I would say, how are we conceptualizing healing as a whole or the mind space around healing? And when I can ask the folks that are doing this work, is your conceptualization or your perception around the process of healing coming from a process of deficit that will become Mm -hmm. a barrier eventually? All right. So yeah, obviously we're going to explain this. It's just, I I do want you to understand that this is why we can't just present an idea Mm -hmm. and not break down the foundational energy that we apply to those ideas.
1: Yeah. So I almost want to like throw out a couple more words to help our listeners understand what we mean by deficit versus abundance, because maybe you're not connecting with that word. So when I hear deficit or think of that, Things that come to mind are fear, lack, brokenness, um, all of that. Can you think of any others that that fall into scarcity? Like exactly. Scarcity, so this like, is um, this, So you know, when I said a, a few right. minutes ago that like you really can only move for in a forward trajectory from a state of abundance, um, I, I want to throw in like a caveat there. I think I'm, and maybe I said it, we'll, we'll see when we play back. Cause I it was five seconds ago, guys. And I don't remember what I said. Um, but I think I was saying something about like moving forward authentically and in a, in a truly like healthy and healed way, yeah. because the deficit, scarcity, fear, lack mindset can in some ways like push you forward, but you're doing so in a way that like Jamie said, eventually you are going to get to a point where it's going to create a barrier to whatever the next like level or step might be for you. Because if you were only like healing something or working on something or working towards something because you were scared of the alternative if you didn't, or you were, um, feeling, shameful. I'm so broken. I, I I have to fix this thing because there's something wrong with me. And so I, I better fix it. So people c- will love me better if I can just fix this <laughs> broken thing of me, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that, I don't know, like I'll, I'll be found out. People will find out that there's something wrong with me if I don't fix this, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're coming from that place, like you might actually on the outside, like, be able to take some steps forward and like do some parts of a journey towards something. But if that was the foundation behind it, eventually that is going to present as a barrier for you. So then when we move into the abundance, some other words I think of for that would be like moving towards something that you love, um, having a hope, having having a, a a truly like authentic vision of, of, of a new reality, Mm. whether this is, you know, you're working towards a new job or you're working towards healing a, a trauma that you went through or whatever it is. It's like you're visualizing and able to, to open up this, this space of, of love and acceptance and, and growth and, and you see it, right? And it's mm-hmm. something that you are moving right. towards. And another way I sometimes conceptualize this is, are you running away from something or are you running towards something? That's another way I sometimes mm-hmm. conceptualize this concept.
0: Right. right. So let's maybe like start with an example because I know that some people might be like hearing those words and kind of kind of mm-hmm. inserting what that might mean so i i think that will help us with kind of moving forward with yeah. a couple of different examples do you have I mean, one that an easy start one to with?
1: start with i think maybe would be something like a career choice um and this mm. you know you can think about this in a couple of different ways but so say it's like um you have been working in a particular field for a certain amount of your adult life and you have this like spark in your head or maybe it was always there or maybe it's brand new and you just get this spark of wishing you could do a different type of career and it's pretty different than the one that you're currently in so there's no like simple lateral move that you can (laughs) conceptualize like oh well let me just do this Um, it's kind of something pretty different than what you have been doing and so if you're going to approach that from this, you know, fear-based or deficit mindset, immediately you're going to get hit with all of the reasons why it's pointless to even try to do that. You know, you have no your, your degree doesn't relate to this. You have no work experience doing this. You're 30 something years old and there's, you know, people in that field that have been doing it for 15, 20 years. You're you're not as knowledgeable. You're not an expert. Like no one's going to take you seriously. And so you get hit with all of that and you go, okay, well then I guess that's just not – it's too late for me, right? It's just not going to happen for me. Like, mm. And then you can get sometimes even – you can go further and you can really like internalize some serious shame about that like – why did I choose this other career? This was so stupid of me. Like now I got myself stuck in this thing that I hate doing. And it's like eating away at me every day. And I have no choice. It's powerlessness, right? Like, and you just, it brings up so many, it's going to touch on a lot of other like core wounds that you might be having inside of you. And then you get this trapped feeling. So that's that's like an example that comes to mind, for understanding what a deficit mindset might like feel like
0: right i think you just touched on something that is really important for so many of us that are going through this trauma process and trauma healing it's like the narratives that were modeled for us like i'm not trying to speak in this general way but many of us were raised by parents that had Mm -hmm. the same job for 40 years Mm -hmm. so think about that right it's it's almost as though you chose this path and it's modeled throughout every decision that's right. It's like, it's that classic, like you trained yourself in karate for three years. You're not going to finish your black belt. And it's, it's actually thwarting the autonomy of like, if I'm three years into karate and I literally hate karate, no, I'm not going to go for the black belts. I'm not. I'm not going to go for it. Sure, that's saying something, right? It's like, oh, I finally got to pension or I I finally got to retirement and I finally get to do what I want. And I sit there and I go, you always were able to, in some variation, have autonomy, but you were basically telling yourself you didn't have the power, you didn't have the capacity to shift, or you were solidifying old patterns in your brain that was saying you don't have the capacity, you don't have the allowance, the abundance Mm -hmm. of options, right? And to some degree, obviously, we can't like neglect that for some people in this world, you don't have as many options as others, obviously, like, you know, a lot of things coming as like a woman or someone who's like BIPOC or something, like they're not going to have as many opportunities. I don't want to neglect that idea. But it's this concept of like, If you immediately resolve yourself to, this is the only option. Mm -hmm. This is a all or nothing thought, right? I said I was going to be in karate and I'm going to finish it, right? You're actually thwarting your own autonomy there. You're saying... I don't want to be in this job. I don't want to do karate. I don't want to finish this. And I said I was going to, so I have to. And I said I was going to do this, so I just have to push myself in this direction. And I sit there and I go, it's it's blending of traumas, basically. It's saying like, what was modeled for you and what was told to you growing up? Because if we were raised by parents that had this mindset of like, you don't have a lot of options and therefore you basically have to look at like yourself as like a very limited autonomous human being when it comes to the choices you want to make for your future. Right. That's being told in a way of deficit. It's saying like you don't have control and power over this. And if you think you do, you're lying to yourself. Right. Um, And I don't even know if this is always, always modeling because I genuinely think some of us, like just from the get go, like we kind of might be raised with this almost like, I'm just, I'm going to use an example from my childhood. I remember being, I swear in my life, you guys are going to think I made this up, but like, I remember being six years old and my older sister Mm -hmm. being in gymnastics. Okay. And I was six years old and I was taking a tumbling class. And I had what was modeled in front of me were people who were like better at that version because tumbling is like the first stage of gymnastics, right? And I remember being six years old. Okay. So I was literally when most people would start Mm -hmm. the journey of being a gymnast or a gymnast. Okay. And I remember at six years old being like, it's too late for me. Because I saw three-year-olds in the gym. I I genuinely remember that thought because I saw three-year-olds that had started before me and I was six. And in my brain, in my small little six-year-old brain, three years was a lifetime. And I thought it's too late for me to go into this thinking I could ever amount to anything good. And when I tell you, who knows if that was something modeled for me, I don't know. But that was a very genuine thought in my brain. And that, guys, that is a, mm-hmm. or that is a deficit mindset. It's saying that from the get-go, you don't have what it takes. You don't have, you're already behind. Mm-hmm. And if there's a lack, then
1: that means there will continue to be a lack. That's the story that gets told, right? So since I lack right now, even if that's like dead serious, like a true objective statement, you are correct. Six-year-old Jamie, you're right. You lack the skill level that some of the three- and four-year-olds around you are displaying right now. And they also once lacked that. And so you can grow those skills and Mm. get to that skill level by learning The moves and practicing the moves one of the things i love about um my daughter takes violin and um she she does the suzuki method which is like a pretty popular method for teaching violin and um when we walk in to where she takes her lessons there's this big display of all these like really famous violinists that are like experts right absolute like the the top the creme de la creme and right next to those pictures and shows them like you know in their orchestras or wherever and they they're in their element right next to each one of those it has a picture of that person when they were like a little kid a tiny little kid with like that violin in their hands and the sign says every expert was once a beginner too And the fact that like, that's what my kid gets to see every time she walks in Mm. before starting her lesson. Mm. I don't know, like there's just something I really love about that so much. And the thing is, one of the other things that I think happens to reinforce a deficit mindset is as you were saying, like, it's not just modeling. You know, there's like a lot of factors that go into how do we default to this? And why do so many of us default to this? And I think another contributing Mm. factor because there's there's a few. <laughs> um, the next one I'll talk about is our actual experiences of real lived failure because they happen because we're human. And this is what happens in life is you try things and it fails and you are doing something and you make a mistake. Mm. And unfortunately, some cultures systemically And even smaller, like, whether this is, like, a school that you go to or a family system you're in, um, there's a lot of shame around failure. And so Mm -hmm. you internalize, like, from such a young age and it gets reinforced so many times throughout your life that making mistakes is bad. Failing is bad. You are bad if you make mistakes and you fail. There's some, like, it's, it's fundamentally wrong to do that. And so what ends up happening in a lot of people's minds is the risk of failure becomes so, you become so afraid of even taking the risk of failure because if you are to try something, if you were to try to learn a new skill or apply to another job or whatever it is and you fail at it then you're going to be flooded with those feelings of Mm. shame and self, you know, like deprecation all over again. And so to protect yourself from that feeling, you will, you would rather just not even take the risk.
0: Mm. But it's confirmation bias, right? It's saying that because I was confirmed that I wasn't getting that job, that's proof. I'm going to stand on that as the ideology that I have moving forward about taking any movement forward, right? And I sit there and I go, you're right. But like the person that's right next to you that basically is sitting there getting rejected to the to Mm -hmm. to the 10th medical school. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, like, that's like maybe like, maybe there's something that's getting in the way. But like, i've heard stories of say, people saying yeah like i got rejected i reevaluated what was the thing and i came back a year later and i got immediately accepted and i sit there and i go is that not the journey of growth like literally saying what is that information giving me right we got to look at the system right if, if you're getting constantly rejected and the the entire job that you're working for is like let's say racist or something you're like oh my god everyone that's in that company doesn't look diverse at all right you genuinely could be like okay maybe that's what's going on Mm -hmm. but then I would ask the question will you even feel safe if you get hired there? like you know what I mean like what would that be like if you got hired there right and so I would sit there and I'd be like take into the context clues of the information that that rejection is giving you right because if they're telling you we don't like you have the exact same application as the person next to you, but like I apply and this dude applies. Right. And they get an offer and I get an offer, but their offers 20% more than me. Mm -hmm. I sit there and I go, they don't value me. They don't value me. Right. Obviously they do a good job to not tell us, but like, they don't value you. So it's like, that's information, right? When you sit there and you come back and you're like, I did get the offer. But, you know, like we had a group going with all the people that are applying and, you know, he let it slip what he was getting offered and like, I'm literally making like $20,000 less than him, you know, and you sit there and you like, should I just take it? Mm-hmm. And you sit, do like, you see how like this is all information for like what that in theory, that's a slight rejection of your worth. But we're now like trying to say, is that indicative of your value or is that indicative of their value? Say that again. Right? When you sit there and you're like, well, I guess I am worth Is it indicative of my values or is it indicative of their values? Right? And so think about it like this. When I get offered 20% less than that other person that had the same resume, we shared it all, we were in the same subgroup, whatever. Let's say I got all the information. Okay? And for some reason... I get an offer that's 20% less, okay? I have a choice. I can look at it as I'm 20% less valuable than the other person. Or I can look at it as they value men over women, and that is a reflection of their value system. So when we go to abundance versus deficit mindset, I can, deficit mindset speaks, I must be. less valuable, right? And abundance says, I am as valuable. This is a communication about the value system of this company. Now I have to choose, do I allow that to be the way I move forward? Or do I step back and look for a company that does see me as valuable? Okay. Which is why this abundance versus deficit mindset is so important when it talks about our future, like, yes, momentum moving forward. Because we sit there and we go, we get rejected. Let's say we don't get the offer. Okay. We don't get the offer. Deficit mindset will say, I don't have the skills. Okay deficit mind says I don't have the skills. Whether or not you genuinely don't have the skills, I would say all of that is information, okay? So if someone genuinely looks at you and says, hey, you have Mm -hmm. three out of the five skills that we're looking for, we're actually looking for a candidate that has all five. And if you are bound and determined to get a job in that field, you go back and say, that's not a confirmation that I'm not cut out for this job. You go back Mm -hmm. and say, where do I get those other two skills? exactly.
1: And so I think... A lot of this has to do, almost overarchingly, with how we even conceptualize the concept of failure versus success. So I, I can't remember what this what which country it is. So I'm not even gonna. Like, I I'm so like frustrated that I don't remember what it was. I was sitting here racking my brain trying to remember. There is a country. It's like a Scandinavian country, and they have a holiday. They have a day every year called like Failure Day, and it's a day where everybody celebrates their failures and they share stories about times when they have failed <laughs> and you know they just celebrate their own failures and they just you know toast a toast to the failures and that is so incredible to think about that in that mindset to under to conceptualize failure as a positive thing because as you said it's information and it is a way for you to connect deeper with your authentic self and with your values. And all of this, you know, it it, it like drives you to be even more autonomous if you see it in that way, right? Like versus the way that a lot of us were socialized to think of failure as negative, bad, shameful. So if you think of it in this way of, okay, so I didn't get the job offer because I was lacking two of the five skills. Cool. Awesome. Now I know that I need to go get those other two skills. Like that failure was so helpful to me because it actually is going to Mm. propel me forward on the trajectory that I want to see myself on. Or if you didn't get the job because of a bias in the company, or you were, you were, you were offered less. And so Mm. you didn't, you turned down the offer. That's that failure, right? On the outside, it looks like a failure, right? Like you didn't get the job offer or like you turned it down. So you you failed to secure the job in whatever way. That also is propelling you forward towards your most authentic self because you don't want to align yourself with a company whose values undermine your own or even directly like come in conflict with your own values. And so that is a success. It's successful for you to honor your authenticity and say, mm-hmm. rather than take less than I know that I'm worth, or rather than put myself in a potentially hostile situation, mm-hmm. I'm going to honor my value. Now, here's the thing. I really, and this is why this is so nuanced, you guys. Please know that we understand the, the systemic barriers that are very, very, very real for some people's lives. And please know that we completely understand the feelings of sometimes desperation that we are in when we have, we literally have to take a job that we know is not aligned well with us because otherwise, you know, like we are unfortunately living in a time where times are tough financially for a lot of people. And so you might have to work for a company that you know doesn't align very well with you, or you might have to stay in a job longer than you wish that you could because of, financial or other systemic barriers that are very, very, very real. And so this is where the nuance comes in, where you can still be in an abundance mindset and in a forward trajectory mindset while accepting the fact that your current set of circumstances isn't your ideal set of circumstances.
0: Right, right, right. Which I would would think it would be something like, I need a job. They're offering me 20% less. I don't look at this as like my final destination, but I will take what I need, what skills I need. I will get underpaid for however many years. And this is where actually having a vision in abundance versus deficit, deficit mindset is actually very important. Because if you sit there and think like, if whatever's fueling my my belief system is from a deficit. It means Mm -hmm. I will just take whatever I get and I will just, whatever gets thrown at me is whatever I need to do. Right. And I sit there and I go, if you're, let's say you're in a financial desperate situation and you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't get the luxury to not take this job, Jamie, like, great. Like I have to. Right. And I just have to accept that this workplace obviously does not value the work of women. Okay. Or whatever. Okay. So you take the job. If you have a vision, for where you are going to go and you sit there and say, I will refuse to be underpaid for my entire career. This goes back to like our parents, right? It's this concept of like when people ask for a raise and said, oh, sorry, you're at your highest pay grade. Like we're never going to give you a higher pay grade than this. This is literally the highest it's going to go, right? Many people will say, Well, I made my cake. I gotta eat it too. Like I I wanted this job. I have Mm -hmm. to just accept what they're gonna pay me. And I sit there and I go, Is that autonomous? Because if you're good on that, and I this is what we explain all the time. Like if someone's like, I wanna be an administrative assistant and I reach the highest level of my pay grade, and someone says, and you're like, Hey, do you mind if I get a raise? And the company is let's say small, and they're like, We literally couldn't pay you more than this. This is literally all you're gonna get paid, and we hope you stay with us, but if you stay with us for five years, this is what you're going to get paid. And if you stay with us for 20, you're going to get paid this way, right? And if someone sits there and says, that's absolutely fine. I'm totally comfortable with that pay rate. I'm totally happy with that. I, mm-hmm. I'm autonomous. You don't have to rage against the machine if you're autonomous. But if you're sitting there and saying, that's not my worth. This is not the job I want. I'm just doing this because I need to pay my bills and I need to pay off my debt or I need to do this and I need to get educated or something. Okay. That's perfectly fine. But the abundance versus deficit mindset will say something like, well, I just need to get what was given to me and I have a job. So why, why go back and get my degree in X, Y, Z, right? And it's like, When you say why, the answer is within you. If you are dissatisfied and you're making a paycheck that's decent enough to pay your bills, but you are genuinely dissatisfied, your answer is within you. And there has to be belief and conviction in this
1: other vision, right? Mm. To keep yourself motivated. And I'm going to switch to another example here to keep illustrating this um, point. What I want to talk about is Um, parenting. And it's okay if you're not a parent, because I think you'll still be able to follow where I'm going with this. So there are in my generation, right there, I'm a millennial, 80s baby, 90s kid. Um, Most of us were raised in what I like to call overly strict and overly neglectful parenting. So Unfortunately, <laughs> when the when the uh, discipline and punishments were happening, they were overly harsh. Usually, based on the crime, and then beyond that, we were just kind of like completely just free range, like ne- ne- neglected kids, like just go play, and there were you know, I'll see you when the street lights come on and you're like, okay. So anyway, I'm not going to harp on that. But what I'm saying is moving forward. Now, a lot of people in my generation are raising kids of our own and we have analyzed our childhoods and said, you know, I don't want to raise my kids like that. I would like to teach them emotional regulation skills. I would like to be present with them. I would like to not respond um, harshly and, you know, overreact to things that are perfectly developmentally normal for my kids you know so we we have this vision of this type of parenting that we see for ourselves you know where we're connected and there's communication and there's mutual love and respect you know we have this vision and then we have the reality of who we actually are as a person based on our experience of childhood ourselves and usually there's a gap between these two realities right the reality of How I am right now, today, as a parent versus this vision for myself that like this idealized version of type of parenting that I would like to achieve at some point. And so the deficit mindset is going to say, I will never be able to be that beautiful, calm, collected, nourishing parent. Like there's no way. I do not have the skills. I have a traumatized brain. I I get into these situations with my kids and I literally can't help myself. I just, I find myself yelling, even though I know I don't want to, like I I have no control over it. It just, it happens to me and I'm totally out of control and I have no way to figure out how to become this better parent. I, I want it, but I don't know how and I just, I'll never be able to. So whatever, I guess I'm just a yeller. You know, I guess I'm just a yelling parent. Okay, so that's kind of like the deficit mindset is this belief that we are limited and because we are currently limited, right? Same thing with the gymnastics. We will continue to be limited because I right now lack the skills. I will always mm. lack the skills. Whereas the abundance mindset, of course, is gonna, mm. is gonna tell us, no, this, this vision that you have is worth fighting for. It's worth the time and the energy that it takes to access and gain those skills to get from point A to point B. We are aware that point B looks different than point A and we know how to get there. And it takes time and it takes patience and it takes dedication to build up these skills. It takes a lot of compassion to forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we're making along the way, right? How are we viewing failures? How are we conceptualizing mistakes? Is it information or is it shame? You know, so we have to, be continually, mm. hopefully, you know, understanding our failures as further information. Wow, I just accessed a new trigger of mine. I never realized how triggered I am when my kid spills food. Wonder where that comes from. And you know, and you go back through and you try to figure out how was I treated when I spilled food as a kid? Maybe that's why my knee-jerk reaction is also to yell and go on a rant. Um, so, but the thing is, I also want to I, I, I also want to talk about this. When you're living your life and it's really happening in real time, you have to start scared, I guess is the best way to explain it, right? Because you when I when I talk about the deficit mindset as being like fear-based. Uh, this is what I don't want you to do. <laughs> I don't want you to now get stuck and say, well, I'm not allowed to start the work until I release the fear and I still feel scared of making mistakes. So therefore, I guess I'm not ready to start yet. Nope. That is not the takeaway here. What I'm saying is that you it's like it's radical acceptance almost. It's like it's radical acceptance of everything that's happening simultaneously. You're radically accepting the fact that, yes, I currently lack some of the skills that I want to obtain to be this type of parent that I'm trying to become. Yes, I believe and I feel convicted that this form of parenting is what I want for myself, what my children deserve, what is best for all of us all around. And I radically accept the fact that I am in the middle between point A and point B. And I have no choice but to just continue Mm. parenting in the meantime. It's not like you can just go take a vacation somewhere and just like peace out for two years while you gain all these skills and your kids just, what, don't get raised, right? Like there's, just I guess mom's gone, you know? So that's the thing is like, you have to literally radically accept that all three realities are existing at once, right? That like you're starting from a deficit place, a lack of skills, yeah. and then you're scared that you're not going to be able to get to this new reality. So we're just going to do it scared, and we're just going to make mistakes, and we're going to take those failures as information, and we're going to continue that belief and conviction in this like vision that we have, and we're not going to get stuck in perfectionism. We're not going to get stuck in the fear, and it's hard, guys. It's
0: hard to hold all right. these realities at once. Right. I think you... You touched on, I swear we did talk about this, but maybe we didn't. But if we didn't, I'm amazed we haven't touched on this. In theory, at the baseline of deficit versus abundance is the energy of Mm, curiosity. We did touch on this. Yeah. I thought we did. Yeah. So whoever, if anyone's skipping episodes, this is this and this is new to you. Think about why criticism would be linked to deficit and curiosity would be linked to abundance, right? And so if you have made it this far in the episode, abundant thinking is I want more information. I'm gathering more information with every failure I gain, with every loss I understand, right? Like it's so much information is provided when we apparently are confirmed that we're failing or we're struggling or we're not doing well right and so an abundance mindset would say i'm i'm holding that information as a almost as a textbook that i need to study and understand and it's getting filled with every informational experience that i have okay so Curiosity is I open the book and I read it with this vision of, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder why that became like, that small experience was like this huge, you know, um, derailment for Jamie. Like, why did this turn into this big thing? I want to read all about what that is. I really want to, I wonder what that is, right? Versus if I had a deficit mindset and that exact same situation happened to me. I would look at that chapter in my book and I would say, Mm -hmm. See, this is all the proof Mm -hmm. I need. This is all the proof I need to not continue, to not keep going ahead, to not, you know, take that risk, to not Mm -hmm. do this, to not do that. Right. And so I love what you said, CA, about we don't get the opportunity to just take ourselves out of the system that we're attempting to adjust and, and adapt mm-hmm. and evolve into. Okay. So it, like parenting is a good example, but if you think about like, um, if you think about, let's say, you know, adult children, like I, i I know we have a, like a good chunk of like early twenties. Okay. So we have like early 20 year olds that are like developing their own autonomy and some of them very well might live with their parents, which makes a lot of sense in this community, um, or in this, cultural time of, you know, inflation. But I sit there and I think if you are in a system where you don't have the ability to fully, let's say, control all of the variables, right? We don't know how mom's going to react. We don't know how dad's going to react. Like if you're a parent, your kids are going to be that variable. They are going to poke the bear when you do not need them to poke the bear, right? They are going to elicit traumas that you didn't think you had. They're going to bring out things that you didn't think you knew you had to handle, okay? But when we look at like the parallel between, let's say like someone who's in their early 20s, if you're trying to do this work and something that your mom did is Mm -hmm. like spiraling you, okay? It's like curiosity would say, Obviously, I can look at this as like being precipitated by my mom, but like something about this is linking to something internally within me. Like something about this dynamic is bringing out old wounds, old processes, things that I'm not necessarily feeling like I have the capacity Mm -hmm. to handle right now. Right, and then you know, I have a lot of clients that look at me and they're like, "Jamie, I don't have the luxury; just get Mm -hmm. out of that environment." Right, and so many people will look at that as proof that they're just never going to be able to get better, right? I'm never going to be able to change my mother. I'm never going to be able to change the way she interacts with me. So I might as well just deal with whatever throw like cards got thrown at me and why even try to develop any interpersonal skills or any like right, emotional right. navigation skills, right? That's a very critical mindset. It's saying like, you're, you're going to be like stuck. You're going to be like embedded in this system. And that's why I think we are holding space for many people are in systems that aren't going to right. radically externally change, right? Our kids are gonna still be kids. Our partner might have the same behaviors that they typically have been ex, ex, you know, exuding. But when we sit there, curiosity says, I'm acknowledging that this system operates in a particular way. And I'm also part of the system. So if I'm curious about how I show up to the system and how I'm reacting to the system and how those I- interactions actually exacerbate wounds or exacerbate problems, I can actually do some of this internal work even in a system that is continuing to operate on their old patterns, right? Right. And then it's like, it's almost like the deficit mindset says because those old patterns are being shown, that's proof that your guys are never Mm going to get better as a collective system, right? But if you look at it with like curiosity and opportunity to grow, this is, I mean, it's painful, but like the more you do show up with curiosity, the more you understand the way you are part of a cog in the entire system, right? There's either manipulation going on or you're being played or there's emotion going on or maybe your traumas are now hurting other people, right? And so when you can get to that moment of like, oh my God, you're right. There is some like aspect of this that I Mm -hmm. am able to grow in that's your radical call to like decide, do you want to be remaining stuck in the barrier of deficit? Or do you want to take a chance on yourself? <laughs> Basically, do you, and this is where that fear comes in, right? Like, What if I yell when I said I wasn't going to yell? Or what if I do this when I say I wasn't going to do that? Or, you know, I said I wasn't going to lie to my mom anymore and I found myself lying. And, like, that's the thing is, like, if you have the abundance mindset, you're going to say, I did lie to my mom and I said I wasn't going to. So, why did I. What am I
1: still needing to work on? Because I like where, where, where is the growth going to continue happening for us? So, a lot of times pain points do sort of highlight. The f- it's like I think of it like flow, right? Like where is the energy flowing? And so if you're doing self work or self healing, and a major pain point gets brought up in, you know, an internal dialogue or an interpersonal relationship, and all of a sudden you feel yourself super activated, you can either take that in the deficit as a confirmation right. of see how broken you are, see how powerless you are, or you can take that as whoa. This is really shining a spotlight on where the energy wants to flow next as far as, okay, this is something I don't like this feeling. So I would like to gain whatever education or skills are necessary for me to be able to manage whatever this pain point is for me moving forward. And how do I do that, right? It's the curiosity Hmm. How can I figure this one out? How can I analyze this? How can I? I wonder where I can figure out some sort of a management tool or skill to help me through this if this were to happen again. And and a lot of times with our lives, like the things that are pain points are kind of cyclical, and they are things that are going to happen again, right? So um, you can either go to great pains to try to avoid that ever happening. You can do the sort of like deficit resignation, well, I guess I'm just gonna, this is who I am and this is how I am about it. Or you can do the hard work of saying, well, that's uncomfortable and I would like to gain some sort of a skill so I can manage that better. Um, And I think this is why this kind of applies overarchingly to just – we've used some examples, right, the career example and the parenting example, but I think it just applies very overarchingly even just to our self-healing and self-growth journey itself because for a lot of us, it's like we can can look around and see people that are, like, so far beyond and, like, just, like, so into their journey that they're these, like, incredible – people and they have all these skills and all this knowledge. And you sit there and you're like, oh my gosh, like I, there's no way I'm ever going to get there. Like they, this person has no idea what I'm dealing with and, and how many wounds I have and how much trauma I have. And I just, there's no, there's no way I could ever get to that point of healing. And you can, you can really just get start stuck at the starting block and just go like, okay, well, I guess I'm just this broken person. And I hear this, I'm not going to throw an entire generation under the bus. But I do hear that mentality a lot in older generations. They, they get to a certain age where they're just, they just resign themselves to, well, this is who I am. Take me or leave me. I'm, you don't like the way I talk. I don't care. This is how I talk to my kids. Or you don't like the way I run my household. Well, too bad. It's my way or the highway. And this is just who I am. And I hear that a lot in older generations because they they just got to that point of resignation where who knows if any of them even had a motivation to maybe like change or heal and then got stuck in the deficit mindset. I don't know. Maybe some of them never even like genuinely tried to start a healing journey. But I think um, that's the risk you run by staying stuck in a deficit mentality for a certain amount of time is it increases the risk of con- the, the continual confirmation bias and stuckness feeling. And I am not going to say that older generations cannot heal because that's why I was like I'm not throwing an entire generation under the bus. I also I have seen it. Right? We've all seen it, guys. Like there are people in their 60s and 70s and 80s that are willing to do the work and learn new things and grow in their personal.
0: Lives. I think you brought up a really good point that came to mind was this concept of like, what environment are we doing this work in? And, you know, you've heard us talk about this many times, which is this concept of like, what do you think the mind spaces around you are? Are they pretty much telling on themselves? Are they telling you that they're all in the deficit mindset? Right? Is, you know, the people that have modeled emotional, anything, are they in a deficit mindset? Are your siblings in a deficit mindset? Is your coworkers in deficit mindsets? Like you have to ask yourself, if you're immersed in a cultural or environmental sociological system that genuinely cyclically thinks in a deficit mindset, when you have the audacity to think with abundance, you can bet that they will literally like the operational condition, like the, they will literally react and try to condition you mm-hmm. back to the deficit mindset because you would say like it would be like you working for the same job in 10 years and all the people that you were working with basically you, you realize, oh, oh, shoot, like they all kind of none of them really think the way I think. Right. And you tell them, hey, you know what? you're 30 something years old and you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to apply for medical school. Mm. And they all start laughing. They're like, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Who? What makes you think? Here we go. Ready? Here's some key phrases. What makes you think you can be a doctor? What makes you think? Insert the blank. What makes you think you mm. can fill in the blank? That's a deficit mm. mindset. That's telling on the Another one. Another one what is they're must is- be nice. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> That's when you're going
1: to get right. Like must be nice to have the luxury to just take a study for an MCAT. I don't have time like that on my hands. I don't have money to apply to med schools. Must be nice. Right. And they're going to try to literally like right. undermine you by, by bringing up their own deficits. Right. It is. The deficit, the telling on themselves moment.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's the thing is that's where you're going to feel guilty for feeling like you have the audacity to. I mean, like, we don't even know their story. Let's say they're the exact same, like, socioeconomic status, and they're like, I don't have the money. Like, I literally talked to my best friend, and they said, I believe in you. And they gave me the $100 application fee. Like, I literally was going to use that $100 on groceries, but they said, I want to be a part of your journey, right? And so I support you. Whether or not you get into medical school, I don't want that money back. Like, I support you because I want you to grow. That's a friend that's in an abundant mind space versus the coworker says, oh, so you can spend $100 on an application, but you can't buy groceries. And you're like, I literally... I'm telling you, I can also barely do this, but I want something different. Like I genuinely want something different. So I'm trying to figure out a way that like, doesn't keep me in this like space where I'm not actually be able to be autonomous. Right. Right. And so that's where that mind space comes in. And I am bringing up the environment for a reason is because when we, we literally find ourselves, which by the way, we don't always want to be found in a complete deficit mind space. Like we don't want to be in a deficit environment, but many times the nature of where we are, we will find ourselves in there. Like we will find ourselves in these critical spaces where if we have the audacity Mm. to be something more, That we are threatening or like, or how do I even want to put this? We are subverting. Mm -hmm. There's a word here. There's we. Subverting. What was it? Is that the word? Subverting. Sure. That could also be one of them. I'm I'm thinking more like we're, we're Mm, turning our back on. Like we are here. So you should Mm -hmm. stay here too.
1: Yeah, it's like a betrayal. How dare you?
0: And I think yeah. A betrayal, yeah, or something. Like I think of family systems. This is like it's right, harder to right, see right. in probably a coworker situation, but like in a family system, like this actually does happen in family system. What makes you think you can get your go to college? We've not, we've all, we've all been like trained Or the reverse. Like what makes you people. think like, you
1: cannot go I don't to know college? Why. If you're, if you're in the reverse system and you're challenging one where everyone mm. in this family is a lawyer, what makes you think you can just go be an artist, <laughs> right? It's just like if you're doing anything that challenges the status quo or the narrative.
0: Right. But it's this concept of like, they're basically telling you they don't think mm-hmm. you have the capacity for the shift or something. And then if you do, you're turning your back. On the collective narrative that we established for our family system and that's where it goes back into like the environment does impact Mm -hmm. our ability to heal it does the environment that we are submersed in absolutely impacts our ability to heal because when you started telling us about like the older generations like whether or not they did i would be if i was a betting woman i would bet that at one point of all of our parents lives that have found themselves in this mindset and said, I'm just this person, you have to deal with it. I bet that they once, at one point in their life, wanted to be entertaining mm. more. And their environment laughed at them, or their environment mm. criticized them, or their environment told them, You're turning mm. your back on your family. And so, without the right strategy and without the right tools, They just took whatever was given to them and they didn't see there was another path. They weren't able to even conceptualize Mm -hmm. their own autonomy, right? And so then add 20, 30 years to that and someone says, hey, you do have the opportunity to be autonomous. Do you want to be an artist at 60? go be an artist at 60, go sell your art at farmer's markets, like do something that you Mm -hmm. love. Right. And you're sitting there and you say something at six years old and you say, right. That time has passed. It's six year old Jamie saying, I'm too old. Mm -hmm. It's too late for me at six years old. And I know that's so laughable, but that was absolutely Mm -hmm. an embodied thought that I had at six years old. And Talk about adding decades of that belief system. That does feel like an insurmountable Mm -hmm. ask. When you look at grandma and you say, you could start a new career at 60. And they think. So I think another factor
1: that comes into play here that maybe we almost want to kind of end on this note is this also speaks to where a person places or what type of metric they're using for their, their value as a person. Because if you're, if you are measuring your value based on some sort of external, tangible output, then that is going to contribute to that fear mindset and that deficit mindset. Because if you're sitting there at you know 35 years old and saying you would like to try to change a career of some sort, and then you're looking around and seeing everybody else who's already in that field so much more successful than you already, and what you see is I don't believe I can achieve those things, and if I can't, then my value, my worth as a person is going to plummet. Mm. And so if I'm not capable of producing the results that other people can measure me by, then I am not lovable or I won't be lovable if I do that. Right. And so mm. there's a, there's a temptation to just stick with the, with the familiar because it's like the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. Well, at least I know what I'm worth right now. And even if I, I, wish I were worth more, or if I wish that I, you know, you know, you can have all these, like, it has to do with value, which is like really, really kind of hard to, for me, because I'm like, I'm so like radically accepting and radically like loving of wherever people are on their journey, that it's hard to know that that's a mentality that I think gets a lot of people stuck. If, If we're talking in the field of like personal growth, it's like, well, If that's who I'm supposed to be, right, this person who's able to emotionally regulate and, you know, speak clearly and calmly and be able to access all these great, you know, self-advocacy skills and things like that. Like, if that's who I'm supposed to be and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and going, well, that's not who I am, then all of a sudden my self-worth is going, okay, well, if I can be that person, then I'll be lovable, right? And this is where the point A and point B thing I was talking about before, right? Like this person you are today versus this person you wish you could be. What I don't want people to take away any of this is that you're only going to be valuable or lovable once you achieve this other thing, Mm. because that is still a deficit mindset you're still coming from this place of lack Right. that like, okay, well, I just need this thing and that thing. And if I can put this accolade underneath my belt and get these letters behind my name and do this, that, and the other thing, then they'll love me, right? Then people will accept me. And that is going to leave you with this huge gap of space between who you are today and who that, you know, imaginary version of you is. Who's going to love that person? Mm Right. You're walking into a journey of Mm. love deficit and self-worth deficit until you achieve this like magical version of yourself. Right. And so that's what I really want to speak to and say that this everything we're talking about. Right. Like achieving different goals for yourself or different visions for yourself has no bearing whatsoever on your worth as a person. You are worthy of love at literally mm. every single stage of any of this, especially if you're talking about the self-healing and mm. self-growth journey. You are already lovable no matter what skills you do or do not have.
0: I love that. It's It speaks to the start of the switch actually comes from that belief that I am valuable in this moment Mm. to fight for that growth. I am. I believe that I am. I believe that I'm worthy enough. I believe that I'm, I'm deserving of more. I believe that I have something to contribute and Mm. not to produce, but to evolve into and to like grow into that. I I'm worthy enough to be doing Mm. that work. Right. And so that is where I think, you know, the trauma comes in is that when someone is trying to shift into this mind space and they're trying to like go into abundance after spending so many years in deficit, one of the things that the trauma kind of almost entertains is I'm scared I'm going to fail Mm -hmm. myself and that loops back to what failure is defined as because if you can accept that part of this journey will include steps forward and step backs and like movement forward, movement back, and it will constantly fluctuate and you can redefine what failure is, it actually doesn't impact the Mm -hmm. worth that you're founding on. And so that is actually very important (laughs) because you think about it and like, that's why, I mean, I've always phrased this, I do ninja. So I always tell my, you know, my people that are interacting with me, I always tell people fail forward. And what I mean by that is, If I am failing, I'm going to do so in a way that instructs me to get better. Because guys, I know that CA and I haven't fully told our story, but like when I tell you my healing is asynchronous, like there were moments where I felt like I made leaps and bounds of some of my trauma processing and then simultaneously Mm -hmm. created chaos to create more, right? Like I was creating more problems. So like, if I looked at that as, see, that's proof that I never am going to be able to heal. Mm -hmm. That's where my journey ends. That's where my journey ends. The second I have those step backs, the second I have the moments where I feel like I am literally the scum of the earth. I'm making bad decisions. I'm speaking from my trauma. I'm explaining from my trauma. And I do need to hold myself accountable for the things that I do during that place of my life. And that doesn't necessarily provide proof that I am not still Mm. in my healing journey. Mm. Hear that? That does not provide proof that you are not in your healing. Because when you take those moments and there is a moment of chaos, or you do speak genuinely from a sheer, unadulterated, Mm -hmm. raw trauma voice, okay? Of course, there's injuries that occur. Of course, people are affected. Of course, decisions are made that feel unaligned, right? And if we look at that as proof that that means we are done, whatever you did before, that is it. You're done. You went to inpatient. You said you were going to end your life. See, it's proof that you're never going to get better, right? It's like that is genuinely where many people find themselves, because they might even say that to me, they might say, I did have a journey, I was really doing a lot better. And then all of a sudden, something spiraled out of control. And then I felt like these past five years, I've just been stuck. And I sit there and I go, we need to reevaluate your conceptualization of healing, what does it look like to get better? And what does it look like to acknowledge that trauma does impact our environment and it does hurt people? And we do need to acknowledge that, like, there are moments that are going to look like huge setbacks.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. And so when we have those moments, and this is who I'm speaking to, those people that have had those moments, okay, when you can sit there and say, I genuinely must acknowledge the wounds that were just put on full display. I must examine the wounds because if you do not, that is the end of the journey or the stagnation of the journey. I shouldn't even say end. Sometimes it's just stagnation. Mm -hmm.
1: And the way to get out of that stagnation, right? And the way to move forward is eventually like the foundational, Thing that's going to have to happen is to reconnect with that worthiness, like you said, to reconnect with the belief mm. that you are worthy of peace. You are worthy of healing. You are worthy of safety and stability and goodness and kindness and gentleness in your life. You are worthy of becoming that person mm-hmm. and experiencing life in a way that is good and, and calm and nourishing and well. Like you're worthy of wellness. Mm. And that's what it comes to is reconnecting with that belief because it's when we disconnect with that,
0: that's when the stagnation occurs. Yes. You are worthy of wellness. I love that. So let's leave it there. Thank, Thank you, you for everyone. listening. I really encourage you to, To email us, let us know if you want a topic. We really want to hear from you guys. We love hearing your feedback and your reviews. Make sure you're subscribing and we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at The Unlearned Podcast or individual Instagrams at Recollect Itself and C.A.'s at Embracing Divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work